Hello and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Jade, age of the geek baby Rose. And I'm Hamish, that's not Latin, steel. And on this show we talk a lot about LGBTQ plus representation in geeky media, but how are geeks themselves represented? In today's episode, we're going to be talking about our favourite nerd characters and some examples of representation we don't appreciate so much. There um, is a lot of ground to talk about in this yes. episode. And when I, we actually uh, sent out a call for suggestions of your favorite geeks, and I noticed when we got uh, things back that what people consider a geek character is pretty wide. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, because I, I always think of geek as someone who's really into geeky pursuits. Um, but the umbrella of geek characters also included characters who were just very, very smart or socially awkward and all the other elements we talked a lot about in our first episode mm-hmm. um as a geek who was never in the top class and never had the best grades i always forget that smart is seen as a geeky aspect <laughs> yeah um and you often find that that's the most common trait for sure of a geeky character well, I, I think what's interesting when we talk about sort of geeks as we see them, um, and really we're talking about more visual mediums here, because like you do get obviously geeky characters in books and um, all manner of, and like graphic novels and things like that. Again, graphic novels, it's a visual medium. And I think that a lot of how we codify geeks, while it's about behavior, there's also these strong visuals that we we associate with this trope. Because when we're talking about media, it does become the trope of the geek rather than geeks as real people. (laughs) Geeks are people too. Yeah, and I think what we'll talk about in this episode is geeks. uh, Geeks? (laughs) Geeks. Geeks. That's that's what I am. I'm a geek. Um, (laughs) Geek. uh, We'll be talking about geeks that are good characters, but also ones that really ring true to our own experiences or... Mm -hmm. um, seem very well observed for sure um and also geekdom comes with its good parts and its bad parts and um it sometimes takes geeky writers to be able to represent that authentically i feel no i i would agree like there's caricatures that exist littered throughout uh, throughout media, especially, um, I think a lot of the time geeks are still seen very much sort of that that through that window of high school, yes. a lot. And with uh, there's always been like that heavy amount of of, of high school set stories. I can't my thought. Yeah, oh yeah, where geeks are sort of uh, very much a caricature, like many of the characters. To be fair, in those sorts of high school setting places are, but um, I agree that. It tend, it, I think it's the same with anywhere, and this is why we talk about it so much with um, with queer representation, is it sort of takes being part of it to bring nuance to those characters because it comes from a place of truth and people respond to that truth. Yeah, and also like queer representation, it's more believable if there's a sort of an intersection. For, um, oh, God, yes. Geeks aren't and, just white boys. Pay attention and not just to that, yeah. But also in personality, yeah, um, of course. geeks can also, you know, have other pursuits which aren't so geeky or uh, be incredibly confident or mm. um, 
there's sort of different levels. Most definitely. Um, and we're jumping ahead in our notes a little bit. You. But I think, I think, I think a show which perfectly captures um, the width and breadth of what geekdom is, is The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Um, something that we always f- try and avoid talking about because we feel we talk about it too much. But I think it's very relevant. And that's why my title today was a Simpsons quote. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love how in The Simpsons, so if you just think about the kids, I start thinking of, well, Lisa's a geek, and then Milhouse is a geek, and Martin's a geek, but also Bart's kind of a geek. You know, mm. he obsesses over getting comic books, and um, I think his love of Krusty the Clown is very close to, you know, geekdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also have Professor Frink and Comic Book Guy, and um, they're all used to tell very different experiences and stories of geekdom. Agreed. Um and I think it's really interesting that you can really tell it's written by geeks in that they know the difference between a geek a and Miller. a nerd and a dork. Yeah, like the 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 geek line they'll give comic book guy is not the same geek line they'll give Millhouse. Mm-hmm. Um and even with comic book guy who is probably the more extreme uh stereotype stereotype there's still heart in his character and um authenticity Mm. um it seems loving rather than complete mockery Um, (laughs) than complete mockery yeah i like i like that line of distinction there (laughs) and like a a line i think uh simpsons also does it quite well they represent uh geekdom en masse Mm. they have quite a few episodes about conventions or um, I think about uh, the episode with Lucy Lawless where she's answering questions <laughs> and saying, oh. every time you see something like that, a wizard did it. <laughs> Thank, bless you, The Simpsons, for giving us that um, line to use in our lives whenever we they, need it. They do it as well with uh, Itchy and Scratchy fans asking about how, oh, in episode 329, when Scratchy, you know, hits uh, st- uh, his ribs like a xylophone it makes two different noises how is that possible and it's you can tell that even though they love geekdom uh a lot of this is kind of venting at being a creator with your own fan base like the simpsons has mm-hmm. um i just think it's a really good example of something which shows a lot of nuance and shows that uh you don't always get like geekdom subtle sometimes mm-hmm. or um I know people often make the point about how sports fans are just geeks. Yeah. They dress up and they go to essentially conventions mm-hmm. uh, and have intense loyalty and emotional connections. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, to their, um, <laughs> no, you know, I, to the, I, their I, fan. I, I think you're right. And um, it is that, that showing that breadth of um of geek experiences and i know i'm we're sort of talking about geek as a whole but i I appreciate how the simpsons give these different uh flavors of what it means to be passionate about a thing like because lisa is smart but you would argue that maybe she's a geek about jazz or Mm. music or malibu stacy like those are her special interests millhouse very much sort of feels feels more of a, a, a dork role mm. because he's not especially smart i mean he like but he likes comics and, and video games like bart does martin is your sort of 
atypical Poindexter smart kid. Mm. And you've also got like Data as well, who's one of those kids that pops in and out of The Simpsons who I'm always delighted to see. Yeah. But then, and then obviously Frank is one of the older characters who is similar counterpoint to Martin. Then when you look at like comic book by a uh, comic book guy, wow, I can't speak. And Bart, <laughs> again, it's sort of maybe what we culturally know now is maybe, I don't want to say is a truer portrayal of geek, but maybe it's closer to what being a geek for a lot of people is about being passionate well, about a couple of things. Like I think maybe people who identify geeks now particularly maybe guys of a certain age or disposition would feel more in common with like comic book guy or bart like that mm. flavor of geekiness but like you say the good thing about the simpsons is that it has this sort of variety yeah and it doesn't uh, it doesn't prevent characters we don't associate as geeks from saying geeky mm-hmm. things yeah um my one of my title uh, suggestions was I bent my Wookie. Oh, bless um, Ralph Wiggum. But like Ralph is also a little bit of a geek. But I was thinking more about how he wins the science prize because Principal Skinner is obsessing over Star, Star Wars, Wars action toys. figures. Yeah. What's and, a diorama? <laughs> um, oh. I just think that's nice. It, it, you can tell when a show comes from a kind of place of geekdom where they can make. Mm. very specific references yeah i mean Um, while geeks are frequently the butt of the joke on the simpsons they also they feel like real people and they do have these moments of humanization obviously like if it's one of the main characters these are people we spend a lot of time with and they aren't mocked for being geeks whereas comic book guy is his the punchline is he's a geek that's his caricature and then we get the the humanising stuff around that, whereas, say for Lisa and Bart, we know who they are, and then the geekiness is sort of part of the flavour, if if that follows. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And also, the jokes at their expense are so specific that you can't help but feel like it's the writers laughing at themselves. Um, uh, unlike a certain other show that Hamish uh, is possibly going to regret that he's given me rain to talk about. Because <laughs> I'm going to go get right ahead. I hate the Big Bang Theory with the passion of a thousand suns, with the passion of the Bing, Big Bang itself, the explosion that birthed the universe. That amount of intensity is how much I loathe the Big Bang Theory. Okay, so, right. I've talked about my, my hatred of the Big Bang Theory before. Um, I appeared on uh, a friend of mine's podcast, uh, Mike Orvis, who I've mentioned on the, on the show before. He has this podcast series called Gentlemanly Chats, and he gave me free reign to talk about... Uh, we, I think we were talking about being geeky, actually, and I went on a rant about Big Bang Theory then, and I'll do so now. The thing about Big Bang Theory, <laughs> compared to what we were just discussing with The Simpsons, is the fact that they are geeks is the butt of the joke, and it's the entirety of the joke. And that is its core premise. Just like, oh, look at these nerds. And then they'll yeah. say something geeky, and then there'll be a thing on the laugh track, and it's just like, so you're making fun of geeks then? Yeah, I've no- I've watched bits. Um, my... Um, mother-in-law is quite a big fan, so I've watched a lot of it at their house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird. I can tell that there's geeks writing it, or at least researching it for the writers, mm. because they will literally just say, 
Yeah, the depth of some like, of the knowledge, like the, their pulls, are yeah. like deep. It'll they'll just like you know, Sheldon saying something happens in a Star Trek episode is the joke. Mm-hmm. Isn't it's it? Isn't that, it funny that he knows things about Star Trek? And the the there's four characters, and the flavors of geek that they are are. They're all incredibly intelligent. They're all scientists. They're all uh, into geek stuff. But one of them has a funny Indian accent, and one of them has a girlfriend. Shock horror! And one of them is highly coded uh, as autistic to the point that that becomes the joke as well. Mm. Um, it's just I don't it, the whole premise of the show is built around the fact that geeks are some strange animal that we don't fully understand mm-hmm. um actually today i yes. so uh yesterday we had the sad news that adam west had died mm-hmm. um and i saw a compilation of clips of him in various shows including cameos and uh shows that <laughs> were quite recent um and it really shocked me. He had his hilarious little cameo in The Simpsons. And then the back they showed, to see? Yeah, they showed a clip of his cameo in The Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. in which he makes exactly the same joke. Huh. He says in The Big Bang Theory, I didn't need moulded plastic to make my superhero suit look good. That was pure 100% West. Wow. Which is... Uh, the line from The Simpsons, he says, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, yeah, no, it is. Um, and to me, that's what the Big Bang Theory is. It's just sort of pulling from geek stuff to... it. it to, there's a great uh, sketch, I think it's a Mitchell and Webb sketch, mm-hmm. where it's about a hospital drama where the writers have decided to focus on the drama and not care so much about the hospital details. Okay. And... Uh, you, sw- you see a clip of it and someone says, no, damn it, nurse, this is the wrong type of medicine for the disease I am treating. Get me the right type of medicine. Um, and it's them faking the knowledge of <laughs> hospital stuff. And that's what the Big Bang Theory feels like. It feels like them just, oh, just throw in a Star Wars, throw in a, you know, reference to this or that, and then we'll get it. We'll get that they're saying something geeky. And then the jokes will come from that. The jokes will come from the normals responding. Yeah, and and, that, and that's what I feel is, is the big crux of... Well, no, I don't want to say it's the big crux. I have numerous fucking issues with the Big Bang Theory, <laughs> with how it tackles many, many, many... I'm, in fact, there might not be a topic that they've tackled that I've gone, wow, that was subtle and nuanced. Um, I appreciate <laughs> that they're a sitcom, but... I, I I don't think that's an excuse just because you, you're creating something that's designed to be funny and maybe not that deep and introspective. I think you still have a duty as a creator to be aware of the shit that you're putting out into the world. And, ugh. But I, I think something that um, Big Bang Theory, and I, they are not the only people to to do that so it's just very satisfying to rag on them specifically um but we were talking about uh briefly earlier about sort of that those stereotypes those and how um they're often like shorthand and things like that and i feel like 
um, Big Bang Theory with the stereotypes that it has, it does uh, portray a lot of the sort of more negative aspects of of gig culture. Um, a lot of sort of the inherent um, toxic masculinity you often see, like they'll often meet sort of alpha male characters and sort of that discrepancy of not being a, a real man and like the um, inf- infantilism of like being yeah. into things and no, it, it does a lot. And it also has a lot of that whole anti-women vibe that pops up so often in geek culture, like fake geek girls and stuff like that. The, the accusation of fake geek girls, because fake geek girls are not a thing. Well, that's the thing. I do know that the show over time has added more female characters and added female nerd characters. Um, but I do remember seeing an episode where the joke was that a woman walked into a comic book shop and this is one of the biggest shows in the world, which Mm -hmm. is quite mad to say, but horrifying one could say it is, it's a, it's a really sad thing to perpetuate because I go into comic book shops and a lot of the staff are women. There's lots of women and no one's caring, but I do know that a lot of women feel uncomfortable in certain comic book shops or are made to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the show was sort of treating that as a kind of, oh, it's your superpower, go in and make everyone shocked that you're in there type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's contributing much positively to the world. No. If you do like the show, that's fair enough. Um, I mean- we admittedly haven't seen as much as... A lot of people have. I, I used to watch it quite a lot. Um, it's earlier stuff. I don't know why. I think the people, the circle of friends I was in at the time, it was a very popular thing to watch. And I think when it started, it felt, oh, this is a show for us. This is a show about geeky people. And as it went on, it's just like, no, no, this is this is the opposite of what I wanted. No, no. Mm. It's kind of mm. odd because it is still marketed towards geeks. Um, I know. You see so much merchandise for it in you know, Forbidden Planet or at Comic-Con and places like that. Um, it's still, it, it's, it wants to be the show for us, but... It ain't. It ain't. It's, it feels like we're being mocked at. And yeah. as we go into the second part of our show, we will actually probably mention quite a few things which do feel written for us and by yeah. us. And I mean, uh, because... I'm loath to use the right to give Big Bang Theory credit because I don't want to. <laughs> but I suppose with this very unflattering portrayal of of these geeky characters, they have done a good job of highlighting some of the negative aspects, uh, some of the yes. toxic elements of what it is to be a geek. Um, and while it might be played for comedy in some instances where really it probably shouldn't be, it is presenting that face unfortunately by just showing that or just by outright mocking maybe the more positive elements of geekdom that they do show and then obviously showing like the deep unpleasantness that can also come up as part of that community even when it's played for comedy it's very easy to take away the bad just like okay geeks are to be mocked and they're also assholes which isn't to say there aren't asshole geeks because i have met plenty Well, it gets compared to uh, a lot of other shows like the IT crowd. um, And that does similar things. I just feel 
you have four main geek male characters, and I just don't think much is done to make them feel like different or real people. Yeah, I, I, um, I think the IT crowd one shows very different kinds of people. Like, I mean, even if you just look at, at the the core group of characters, um, Moss is very much one flavor of geek slash nerd. Roy is another. Um, mm. Richmond, too. Um, <laughs> even Jen, in her in her way, though I don't think she would describe herself like that. She definitely has some of the more intense personality traits that can come up with being. But she sort of uh, becomes part of them uh, when they sort of. I haven't watched IT Crowd in a little while, but they're they're. I like it much more than I like The Big Bang Theory. I don't think it's a sh- flawless show by any scope of the imagination, no. but it does seem to have more of a concept. Yeah, and I think there's real heart to those characters as well. Mm. Um, the the fact that they are who they are isn't the butt of every joke. Yeah. But that, again, you're also looking at a difference between a US and a UK sitcom there. And I think there's some nuances to be made by people that understand comedy significantly better than I do. (laughs) No, I think it's fair enough. Um, Do you want to take a little tea break? Hamish, I thought you would never ask. I am gasping. (laughs) We'll be uh, right back after we put the kettle on, guys. Bye. So this is the middle part of the show where we continue talking, but about things that aren't about the main topic. Hamish. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, as always. Um, We keep getting more and more feedback and responses. It's really lovely. Um, If you do have a spare second, a rating or review or subscribing on iTunes would very much be appreciated. It very much helps. Or on your podcasting app of choice. Uh, we also are doing another No Box Box Pop soon, which is where we answer Q&As from you about anything. We know that's sometimes quite a hard thing to uh, think about a question about anything. Um, this month is Pride Month, so maybe we could be more focused on the LGBT side of this podcast. Um, but yes, if you have any questions, please send them to us at all the usual places, box not included, everywhere. Um, but this week we actually have um, a sponsor. We are sponsored by... Yeah, we're very exciting. We're very grateful as well. Um, we're sponsored by Beastly Beverages. Um, fandom and fantasy luxury hand-blended loose-leaf tea and tea-related geeky paraphernalia. I'm glad I got that word right. Yeah. Um, they also do coffees, candles, all kinds of things. I've supported them a lot in the past. Um, they have a new art book out thanks to a successful Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, but Jade is also going to fill you in on a product spotlight. I am. Right. You hear this? That is the sound of deliciousness. Uh, I'm the worst. Gabe's going to hear this. Be like, no, sponsorship deal is over. Never again. (laughs) No, um, I picked this up at, um, I was about to say Nine Worlds. That's a different convention. I picked this up at MCM and it is one of four house teas inspired from Harry Potter. And despite uh, my own conflict about what house I would possibly belong to, I had no such issue with the tea. Uh, I went for the Hufflepuff tea, so uh, your house of choice, Mr. Steele. 
It sounds like the best one. I mean, Hufflepuff's near the kitchens. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the nicest one. Let's be real. Yeah, um, this is a black tea, and it also contains butterscotch pieces. I cannot pronounce this one here, but one kind of flower petal and some flower petals as well, <laughs> and it is so nice. Like a, it's like a hug in a mug, which is such a, th- a line that Bachelor Soups has used in the past. But it really <laughs> is. There's something very. There's. I mean, I have sugar in my tea anyway, but it's very sweet and very warming, and it does literally feel like you're cozying up by a fireplace, and it it feels like Hufflepuff, and I feel that's really one of the amazing things about. Uh, about the teas at Beastly Boat and uh, well I've not tried the coffees but I have no doubt that they're the same is you wouldn't think the like a flavour could evoke a, a book or a house in Harry Potter or a character so well but it's it's really amazing how the spirit of the thing has been captured in these blends I know um, a new bunch of Overwatch teas has just been released I'm very excited to uh try some of them but i mean what's amazing about Beastly beverages is it's a it's a queer owned business all the ingredients are organic and fairly traded and almost everything is suitable for vegans as well so really just just try (laughs) it check it out it's all so good they got mugs they got little tea strainers (laughs) if yeah because loose leaf tea if you're not used to it can be a bit of a thing but they have so many different strainers i got one i got one that's got pikachu on it I have a, a Newt and Herman one. Uh, um, I, I have the Newt Kaiju mug. So um, Be sure to check out bcbeverages.com. They've also got a Patreon, a Facebook, a Tumblr, a Twitter, and an Instagram. Um, and if you use the sponsor code BEVERAGEBEAST, capital B's on both words, a space in between them, you can get free shipping when you spend £20 or more. And even better, Beastie Beverages ships worldwide. Glug, glug, glug have yummy yummy mugs of tea that's not their slogan that's not their slogan (laughs) i don't know if they have a slogan uh but that's what it is now sorry sorry um i want to just briefly uh plug something of my own um my book pantheon recently came out and i'm doing a bunch of signings um this Friday, um, if you're listening to this on the Monday, uh, I should have put the date up. I completely that the 23rd forgot of June? to. That'd be the 23rd. That sounds about right. Um, I'm going to be at. You, buddy. I got you. I'm going to be at LCAF, the East London Comics and Arts Fair in Hackney, London, um, signing copies of Pantheon and all my other stuff. Um, and next month, uh, I'll be doing a kind of mini tour of Traveling Man, which if you live. Uh, more northern than London, you probably know is a really great uh, franchise, I suppose, of comic shops. Um, I'll be doing signings on Saturday 22nd and Sunday 23rd of July at Leeds, Manchester, New York, and New York? Newcastle. And York. York. (laughs) Um, I unfortunately am not doing New York yet, but maybe in the future. Um, So 22nd and 23rd July, keep that weekend free if you want to come and see me in one of those cities. And um, finally, quick reminder, we've talked about it before, but we're going to keep talking about it. You can still book tickets to Nine Worlds Geek Fest, uh, 4th to the 6th of August up in Hammersmith. You can see our first ever Box Not Included live show there, and our topic's going to be about cosplay. So we're very, And I'm terrified. You'll be fine. He'll be, he'll be fine. <laughs> um, but it'll be great to see some, um, some friendly faces that we won't recognise, because this is an audio medium, and we don't know what you look like. But if you come and you wear a little badge that says... Uh, uh, problem- uh, the problematic jar on it. I'll give you a hug if you want one. 
<laughs> We're going to see our first uh, box not included cosplay. Wow. This is going to be, oh, be amazing. cats and uh, <laughs> jars and Simpsons with big crosses through them. <laughs> we should make it something. Right. Uh, we're getting <laughs> off topic. Um, have I you have, finished your tea? Yeah, I finished my tea. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get, go. Let's get back, back to the show. Back to the show. So we had so much feedback for this episode. I was blown away in the best possible sense. Yeah, we asked uh, people on Tumblr, Twitter, and Facebook in our Facebook group um, who their favourite geeks in media were. Shocking, shocking news. People who like this geeky podcast have got strong <laughs> opinions about geeks in media. Who knew? Yeah, um, I wanted to start with one. It's I wanted to read it out because I I completely didn't think of this character, but actually it's a really good example. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam on our Facebook group said Tim Bisley in Spaced. God, um, yes. Easily one of my favourite geeks in media. I feel he's realistic. Being a geek doesn't stop him from liking active things like paintball, and he's not socially inept, nor is he a complete geek about everything. He's relatable. He fit his fear of showing his work to a publisher is wonderful, and his geekiness isn't treated as a point of derision any more than any aspect of the other characters. I cannot believe we didn't think of Simon F. Tim. Simon Pegg, but that's the thing. I think yeah. it's because he's written and played by Simon Pegg, who's uh, a notorious it, geek. Yeah. Um he shows a very three-dimensional character in a show that's quite heightened reality. Gorgeous. Um, it, it shows every aspect of uh, geekdom for that character. It doesn't necessarily feel like... Um, I think one of the reasons we don't think of him is that that's not his defining character trait. For sure. Um, oh, what is he- Tim's defining personality trait? Maybe really? being a geek, but I think it's. I think he has several. I think, I think of him because uh, I'm an I'm a car, you know graphic novel artist. That's what I link him with because that's mm. what yeah, I remember no, watching sense. it first time. I know. Um, uh, I think because what we were saying earlier uh, before the break about um, truth coming from when you write from the heart. I mean, Simon Pegg has a book called Nerd Do Well. <laughs> and he said one of my all-time favorite quotes about being about being geek, which is a uh, being a geek is all about being honest about what you enjoy and not being afraid to demonstrate the affection. It means never having to play it cool about how much you like something. It's basically a license to proudly announce on a somewhat childish, le- uh, yeah, proudly emote, sorry, on a somewhat childish level rather than behave like a supposed adult. Being a geek is extremely liberating. The man. Mm gets it and he let's point out he's living the dream now because he co-wrote a star trek movie that he acted in so boy done good <laughs> yeah he's he he's also in star wars mm-hmm. he plays um he's yeah. in a big costume but, yeah but he's uh, there we know he is there um yeah and i think i kind of think of space as maybe the sort of start of the turning point of don't want to use the word geek chic but geekdom seeing as something that's not a point for derision? Um, yeah. Like Sam said. I think that's uh, an interesting example, which I wouldn't have thought of. Also, I do I do know Sam, and he reminds me a bit of Tim, so maybe that's the reason <laughs> he likes that character so much. Um, Identifying with a character and liking them because they remind you of yourself. Who ever heard of such a thing? I say, yeah. hiding everything under the bed. No one must ever know. No one must know. <laughs> 
Um, another uh, another feedback we got, which I think adds to the idea that the sort of the character that started making geeks cool, maybe, mm-hmm. um, was from Inevitable Frodo on Twitter. Oh, hey, Inevitable uh, Frodo. Said the 10th Doctor um, made geekiness and nerdiness seem cool for kids um, at a school who saw me as weird. That's what they said. Um, and I think that, I think the Doctor's always been a geek mm. in a way. I think that's um, more than fair to say. Well, an interesting thing about Tim is that he's not defined by being super smart. Yes. Um, and he's also surrounded by a bunch of characters who are nerdy about something in their own way, like uh, Twister's nerdy about fashion and Brian's art and uh, Mike's weapons. <laughs> <laughs> um, so none of them are just... No, no one's the brainiac of the bunch, and I think... The uh, Doctor. Yeah, no, I'm I'm trying to remember. I can't remember who said it. It may have been River, who said about geek is the new sexy. Mm. That was definitely a Doctor Who line regarding also, the 10th Doctor. I also remember someone saying it. I think Martha might have said it to the Doctor, saying um, he asks what a geek is, and, he, and she says, oh, it just means you're very enthusiastic about things. Mm-hmm. Or something. I I I feel like the doctor's always been, you know, very smart and into lots of things. And he gets a lot of enthusiasm. He's yeah. kind of a geek of humanity. Yeah, um, humanity is his special interest. <laughs> but it wasn't until the tenth doctor in which that was like visually he is a geek. Yeah, and I I think there was a lot of to and fro like the aesthetic I think was probably very informed by aspects of the geek community, but so too did the geek community take from that. I mean, uh, that's a style and a half It's a great look, but I mean, I know I started wearing black framed glasses after the, the 10th doctor. I mean, I've always needed glasses, but I did see that and go, I think I need a change. Hmm. Yeah. I think it was, um, it doesn't like it, it, it's a bit silly, but it, it does take seeing someone do something very cool to yeah. sometimes make you go, oh, it is cool. I do like doing that. Yeah, it's like um, permission. It's like also a point going, well, look, he does this thing and he is one of us. In like the fandom world in general, there does seem to be a kind of pre-10th Doctor, post-10th Doctor feeling and how geekdom is seen, I suppose. No, um, I think that's fair. I know he was very, very influential to a lot of people in terms of, um, he's not my doctor or my favorite, but I think the character, and once again, a character written by geeks and played by a geek, doesn't feel like a mockery or a costume. It feels like, um, it feels real. Uh, there's a, yeah. there's a truth to it and a heart to it. And that, I think we, we, it's a, that's a point we keep circling to with good reason. Like, it's that believability that means a character is sort of taken on by the the community that they're representing or that they're nominally a part of. Yeah. And I think it, it, he's also a superhero and his geekiness saves the, world. Saves the day. Yeah. Saves the universe. Mm. It's a big deal. But I mean, I got, you got to give a, a shout out to these uh, world-saving geeks. Take, <laughs> I mean... Um, Ram underscore Zell on Twitter mentioned the the wonderful Billy from Power Rangers uh, uh, movies. Yes. Following in the um, tradition of uh, the previous Blue Ranger of Billy. 
point. Yeah, I mean, he's he comes quite close. And I think this might be because it's a movie and you have to kind of mm. get characters. And a movie with a team of superheroes is going to get the characters. Uh, they're not as subtle, I suppose, as on a TV show. But Billy is a different breed of nerd than what I've seen, um, especially in the role of being a superhero. Mm-hmm. Can an autistic superhero, yo? Yeah. Um, and like, again, he doesn't, he's not the liability of the team. Nope. He's not the point of, he's one of the funnier members of the group, but it's not jokes at his expense. It's because mm. he's witty. And, and, it, and, it, and it's his skills that allow for them to, to find, I was about to call them the coins. That's the TV show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he is the catalyst. He is mm. in it. So Yeah. I mean, even though the Red Ranger is probably the main character and all that stuff, I do think the Blue Ranger's role in this movie, and I'm like, it's kind of a weird thing to talk about this movie. It wasn't seen by many. Um, I did definitely uh, pick this uh, feedback response out because I just want to talk about Power Rangers for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I got you back, buddy. You go. But for you it. know, yeah, the the geek character is the one that is necessary for the story to happen mm-hmm. um, at various stages throughout the film. I mean, not to get too emotional about it, but in I would, I think the argument could very fairly be made that Billy is the heart of that group. Yeah. Like he is um, the emotional, and which is, which is deeply wonderful because geek characters are often seen as very cerebral and maybe out of touch with their emotions, and Billy mm. isn't. Also, I mean, it, to talk about geekdom, and it is uh, relevant to talk about how um, neuro, neuro neurodiversity is represented because quite often they go hand in hand, mm-hmm. um, for better or worse, in some cases. In many yes. cases, it's for worse. But with Billy, who's canonically autistic and mentions the spectrum, to have him as the heart when so often mm-hmm. characters coded that way are represented, uh, defined by their inability to feel emotions or connect with people. Because cough, Sheldon, cough. Yeah, but people don't know how to write characters mm-hmm. who might view the world in a different way. Um, but... You know, so I'm also thinking about Sherlock, who is mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, he's a, a nerd in a, in a way, mm-hmm. and um, is definitely coded in certain ways. Yep. He's def- he's sort of defined by his uh, frequent uh, ways he upsets people because he doesn't connect with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously he's emotional down in the middle somewhere if he gets, you know, meets the right people. Mm-hmm. Um but it was really nice seeing Billy, who just like wears his affection on his sleeve. Like he's the one in the story who reaches out to uh, the Red Ranger um, to ask to be his friend. Yeah. Um, I mean, in speaking from my experience, um, that is much closer to how I experience being autistic. Mm. So it was very meaningful to me and i'm realizing as we're going on uh, i've used special interest a few times and we're not saying that you know all geeks uh uh, experience adhd or or are neurodiverse in some ways it's just it's very often a case in in media portrayals excuse me that i suppose it's that way of othering the characters further or 
why characters are the way that they are or maybe it's just the way that we read into things but um yeah i'm not saying the two are i'm not saying the venn diagram of geeks and people with people who are neurodiverse is a circle i just do think there's an awful lot of overlap there i also don't think many writers see a distinction that's true um i do think some people write geeks as weird and weird is this big umbrella term for just anyone who might not be neurotypical or um I don't know. And we're talking about a Power Rangers film. Like, yeah, it's designed are. to sell toys. And if they can do something more subtle, subtle and nuanced than the biggest show on television, then... Yeah, maybe you're doing geeks wrong. <laughs> maybe you are. Um, we also, on our feedback, something I, I kind of piled together. We got mm-hmm. so many suggestions and it was really delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about the Tenth Doctor and Tim and Billy, but... Almost every single suggestion was for a female character. Um, We got Velma, um, who I think is really interesting because she often gets represented as sort of a dork and is sad or some way. But if you just watch the original Scooby-Doo, she's so funny. She's she. Everyone loves her in the group. She's not a liability. People don't go, "Ugh, you're such a nerd." Her and Daphne are best friends. Mm -hmm. They they love her. She's cool. we, we also got Hermione, Osgood, Harley Quinn, nice. uh, Simmons from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Connie from Steven Universe, uh, Twilight from My Little Pony, and Willow. Yeah. Um, and I just find, I find that interesting. We were talking at the start about how geekdom, or being a geek, is not seen as something masculine in a way, because it's quite uh, seen as infantile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if geekery is seen as kind of a feminine quality. Um, That's an interesting... I think often in ways we've seen it is by certain kinds of male thinking, I think geekiness is seen as a a feminine thing because it involves like staying indoors and being interested in things, despite the fact that so much of geeking, being a geek is nothing to do with that. But it is seen as less than manly, ergo. I don't know. I mean, I, I think for me, it doesn't feel like geekery is portrayed as a, a, a feminine quality because I still feel like the overwhelming majority of geeky characters are men, even though, mm. as as our feedback showed, there's so many great female characters well the feedback is characters people like true um true. so i wonder if that's what the element is is that mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot more male geek characters mm-hmm. but people really relate and get excited to see female characters who are geeks mm. um i was thinking that maybe it's because female characters are often very underwritten mm. and if they're Truth. not the love interest then what's wrong with them? Oh, they're a geek. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes... I think, again, yeah, big no, air quotes. <laughs> they're, 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 I think there is something interesting, even though, again, tides are changing about how characters are framed as desirable or mm. not based on being... And then there's the whole sexy geek and geek chic thing and the trappings yeah. of that. I think uh, my brain is sort of now spiralling on a point, so I may get very incoherent very quickly. <laughs> but... Yeah, on whether or not it's an attractive trait and so often, like, if you think about uh, those bullshit makeover movies 
where the geeky girl gets a makeover and then, oh, she was beautiful all along. What a load yeah. of crap. But so often these female geeky characters now, um, while they may be not found attractive by male characters in their properties, um, I will say you see a lot of um, uh, women and female identified queers I shouldn't say that uh, people who, uh, like uh, gay women and bisexual women and people female identified love these lady geeks like mm. we love them no I think it's it's I, I wasn't trying to make any kind of point I was just wondering mm. uh, why those are the ones that are so beloved and I do think it's um, I'm, I'm saying this is like a recent thing rather mm-hmm. than uh uh a trend that's been there since the dawn of media. <laughs> I just think it's kind of, in, I do think it's interesting. No, that, I think it's good. And again, quite a few of those characters have an intersection in some way. Yes. Um, I, I think about Willow being, um, gay. I was going to say, I think um, Willow is the only character that we've discussed so far who isn't canonically straight. Harley Quinn oh, I, is... apologies, yes, and Harley Quinn. No, but this is the thing. Like, Harley Quinn is bisexual. DC tells us this. Um, I think about Connie being one of the few we've mentioned who isn't white. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I, I think there, there's... there's These... I think, I think because female characters are underwritten and so often written as the girl to make the girl also the geek is already in a very clunky bit of bad writing, already a bit of an intersection. This is true. Um, Because when you say geek, most people instantly have an opinion, uh, like an image of, you know. A white boy. Yeah. Um, And I think it's, I think it's interesting that nowadays you can make characters do geeky things without them being seen as the geeks. This is true. This is also true. Yeah. I think um, it's, becoming wider accepted and more just like no people are passionate about things people geek out about things i mean stranger things was one of the most popular shows of last year and starts with four boys playing dungeon and dragons and no one watches that show thinking oh it's about these four geeks though though within the show they are yeah seen as such so yeah but i think it i think that helps that if if the show was actually made in the 80s rather than just set there, then maybe the mm. uh, narrative would be more about the fact that... Or maybe the people wouldn't... The audience won't be expected to relate to them as much, maybe. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I'm, this is all very speculative. But Yeah, no, but again, I think with Stranger Things, it comes back to characters created by geeks. Yes. So And, char- and like the character written first, and it just makes sense that they're geeks. It's not just oh, we should probably have a geek in there. For sure. Um, um, but speak- mm, yes. Well, speaking of Willow, um, the geeks of Joss Whedon. <laughs> yes. Um, there is, there's been some very interesting stuff written about um, Joss Whedon and his geeky characters. Um, I feel like perhaps Joss, for all his myriad of problems, um, rightly leveled at him um he understands like the inherent nastiness of that community in a way that i feel like 
a lot of people don't address. Um, I mean, also we have some positive, like uh, we've already mentioned Willow, which is great, and, and Xander, who is his own flavour of dork. But then we have the uh, the evil trio, the quote evil trio from mm. season. I want to say six. Yes, it's six. Yeah, the characters involved in the trio pop up earlier in their own separate stories, but then sort of come together as their own evil super team. Mm. I think. Um, um, Jonathan definitely does. I think, is it, I want to say Tucker? No. Andrew is the younger brother of a character yeah. that appeared in an earlier episode. I think Warren is new to that season, or did he pop up the season before? Is Warren the main guy? Warren is the, the nasty, nasty, nasty one. Okay, I think he builds a robot and a fuse. <laughs> Maybe that's him? Oh, that I'm not might... sure. Robots and Buffy is the one thing I just always forget is like a universe. <laughs> like, it's a thing about that universe. Oh, people build like better than realistic oh, yeah. robots. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting. I kind of forgot who was in the trio and all those are different flavours of geek, but there's a very believable reason why they're together. Um, and even though they are evil and they do some very bad things, um, th- there's a difference between them. No, definitely. You were just, you were just saying that, uh, you know, Warren's the evil, evil one, because we won't talk about it, but of what he does. Um, whereas the other two do seem more innocent, more, uh, it shows how geekdom can kind of take over people and make people do strange things because it's kind of peer pressure in its own way. Yeah. That, uh, toxic influence. It's a very, uh, visceral kind of thing. Like when we first meet the trio, it's this talk of like, Oh, well, we just wanted to, to hang out and do things and be accepted. And, have sway and and also it 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 shows because they're kind of introduced as a sort of uh comedic um yeah they're not treated seriously at first yeah and i i was when i because i only watched buffy a couple of years ago um for the first time and so i did a lot of like Whereas a lot of people watched it fresh, I watched it and then also read all the sort of articles for retrospective look back things at the same sort of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading about how people really liked the mayor as a villain because he was very, you know, entertaining to watch. And then I think they had the sort of the Adam and the, uh, the initiative, but, uh, yeah. the initiative and it was all very serious and not, it didn't sort of didn't get the same sort of response. So they wanted to go back to having comedic villains, but it's very interesting what they do with those villains because I think Joss was able to create a character who outwardly you go, ah, they're a geek and a little bit like intersections. He then puts in that type of toxic masculinity and very frightening behavior, which I don't know Mm. if people had really done on television before in the same way. You would write that character and a geek character as separate entities. Mm. Yeah, whereas I think, yeah, it's a very unflinching and unflattering portrayal. I say unflattering because these these feel like people. They don't feel like cartoonish villains. So often in in Buffy, it's metaphors, like monster is metaphor and things like that. And I think what's scary about Warren in particular 
is he is very human mm. and it's just like he's not a demon he is just a nasty evil human who does horrible things and pollutes the people around him yeah and hurts the people around him and i think that's one of the scary things about geekdom in a way because it is its own little community and mm-hmm. has the risk of acting like a cult in some ways um it can be one of the most unwelcoming places in the world if you're new to it it can be very like and i'm like like any community but i think yes when emotions are already running so very very high because people are very passionate i think the flip side of that can be incredibly dark mm. and i feel like with the trio and that arc joss explored that in a way that should be hard to watch because of what it is um yes it's, and as it's, much as so many of the characters are love letters he's also like turned over the rock mm. I, i'm i'm some often defensive of sometimes people want every character to be good and no. i myself find it very hard to write characters i hate mm-hmm. um especially ones that you set up as being ones to like mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I i liked that it's hard watching but i think it's yes important agreed but that was very upsetting and depressing so i think we should talk about some of our favorite geek representation we've heard from you guys and we've really stoked but we now want to talk about some of the people that we really like well i can't I don't think it would be a podcast between us two if we didn't mm-hmm. mention Newt and Herman from Pacific Rim. Ah, oh, my boys, my beautiful boys, my K-Science dogs. I love them and so. They save the world. The geeks help save the world and they're still geeks at the end of it. Yeah, I think that's what's... with girlfriends or have redemption arcs. They hug each other <laughs> and they're still geeks. How many years has it been since this movie came out? I'm still about to <laughs> It's interesting. It's just, I've seen quite a few films post Pacific Rim try to have similar characters. There's a character who is literally new in Jurassic World. Um, and there's a few, there's a few characters like them before, the sort of the scientist in the action movie. Um, but ultimately i do think they contribute so much more to saving the world and the value they bring the team is seen as very important and not just lesser than the actual heroes that do the shooting and stuff we Um, can't talk too much about newton herman because one i will cry and two we're going to do a pacific rim episode at some point and then hamish and i will talk about them much 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 more but they both have stock in trade in the sort of stereotypes that we associate with the um, geeks. Uh, Herman is very much your science nerd. Um, Newt is you like your rock star scientist and like the 10th Doctor before has had a, a wonderfully positive influence on me and I know other geeks like myself. And they're just truly wonderful characters who through their skill set, which is different to but no less than the heroes help to save the world and that's Mm. awesome yeah and like many characters before them for some reason 
they have been claimed by the queer community. We kind of grabbed them and said uh, ours. Ours, you may not have them. To the point and where I forget for that it's... the sequel. They're yeah. back for the sequel. We don't know what the sequel's going to be like. We're nervous, but... One fear. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's some I, very specific fears, but uh, we'll talk about yeah. that after it comes out. Um, I want to give a, a, a shout out to another Joss Whedon character, actually. Uh, Wash <laughs> from Firefly, who I adore this is a, a man that is an ace pilot um he has plastic dinosaurs on the console of his ship. i think it's the first thing we see of him is um him playing with these dinosaurs it's just like ah we will go forth across this land and call it this land i think we should call it your grave ah oh curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal <laughs> and that's the first <laughs> I've watched that a few times. That's the first thing we really see of him. He wears, like, he likes brightly coloured Hawaiian uh, shirts. And what's awesome, there's many awesome things about Wash. He's very much sort of like the the snarky character on a show. And on a Joss Whedon show, there's a lot of snarky (laughs) characters. But he's also happily married to... um, to, to Zoe who is played by Gina Torres like he, he's Amazon of a wife and mm. they have a very loving very adult relationship so again we come back to that nuanced take on a character that could arguably be considered very childish for some of the things you know, but he's incredibly good at what he does and is in this loving adult relationship and is in many times often again is the heart of that group which mm. is really lovely to see I mean, speaking of snarkiness um, and mm-hmm. quips, um, I've been watching a lot of Gilmore Girls recently, which is mm-hmm. quip central. Um, but I, I do still think the characters are very believable and fleshed out. And I really love Rory, who's the daughter, the younger Gilmore girl, who mm-hmm. um, is a full, um, po- I, uh, you know, super, super, super smart. Yeah. Um, but not above watching trash TV and getting takeout and mm-hmm. uh, doing all the things that kids want to do. And I really like that. I like that balance that she's mm-hmm. not above those kinds of lowly, you know, entertainments yeah. or whatever. Um, and even she gets, you know, she has a few boyfriends and they are also interesting in that they're not written to be super nerds to match her or anything for sure um her intelligence is just a very small aspect of her who she is as a person Mm -hmm. um i've got to give uh, a shout out to the person who i quoted for my title for the episode who is um alec hardison from leverage Mm -hmm. um uh, a black man uh he's the youngest in the group he's their hacker but he does so 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 much more he's like a proper renaissance he can paint um uh, one of his great lines is Shakespeare in the house at one point, And he is so very good at what he does. And he is good at very, very many things, but he's also like, he's a computer dog. He likes to play. He plays world of Warcraft. Uh, he has some questionable dietary habits. He really likes orange soda and gummy frogs. Um, hmm. He's also very much the heart of that group again. It, and I, I'm, I'm starting to sense a pattern with these characters. I enjoy. Hmm. Um, but he is, a fantastically well-written character, a well-rounded character. 
And you guys need to watch Leverage and then talk to me about it because I am emotionally compromised by that show on a very regular basis. And I'm not just pointing this comment at Hamish. I can hear oh. you sighing. You have a microphone in front of your mouth, Hamish. I can hear what you're doing. Um, no, I but, want to. I, you've shown me, a, I think you've shown me a few or I've, I've shown you. A, I've shown you a couple. Yeah. And it was really entertaining. Um, it's just on my ever growing list. Yeah, I was going to say, we got a long list going on. Um, <sighs> A character which I know you put on this list, but I want to talk about as well, is Ben Wyatt from uh, Parks and Rec. Who, again, is just... Another pattern of these things is his geekiness is an aspect of him. It makes him him, but it's not... He doesn't... He's not the geek of the group. Mm -hmm. He's Um, a sweetheart. Building his own board game. Yeah, there's a few jokes where if a character in the Big Bang Theory said, I'd hate the line, but because he says it, I love it. But that's because Mm -hmm. I know where it's coming from. I know the full story of him. Yeah, Um, I mean, Ben admitting that he writes Star Trek fan fiction is not the same thing because, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No, he probably did. Yeah. I mean, this is great. I, um, I am kind of depressed a little that so few of the people we've mentioned uh anything other than cishet yeah so Um, no i mean we often as the queer community i feel claim these characters for ourselves anyway and project a lot of ourselves on because often the geeky characters are uh, outsiders in some way or form or they're not they don't quite fit with the norms of the world that they're in and so i think it's very natural for the queer community to go yoink mine now um uh, and often they're not and often they don't have canon love interests often yeah, not always and i think i think it's also like to do with how people think about writing queer characters in that mm-hmm. um they don't see the need for any intersection because that's their identity yeah um i'd like to see more yeah more queer geek queer geeks well, I mean, we want more queer characters generally, but I feel like geek geeks are such a prevalent thing now, like that behaviour, and while they sort of exist beyond the trope that they're used to, and we have these nuanced characters, like, it's great, you have a nuanced geek, have you considered making them not straight, or not cis, or both? Mm. It's like, there's room for both? Like, I can only think intersection of, uh, upon intersection. can only think of Nomi from Sense8. Nomi. Yeah. yeah. Um, and characters like that and just very mm-hmm. small examples yeah we love them more geeks please more queer geeks especially that would be very nice much love Jaden Hamish <laughs> <laughs> oh I suppose that'll have to be on that on that delightfully charming note that I, I hope you all enjoyed um, we should wrap up for the day as always we'd like to thank Graham Waller Audio Overlord, Master of the Soundwaves, for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. You can check out more of his work at GrahamWaller.com, his podcast, The Mix Cave, and you can listen to Night Beast, the single from him and Mike Orvis and their uh, dystopian uh, synthwave duo, uh, Glitter Wolf. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, we are Box Not Included on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and BoxNotIncluded at gmail.com. And we also have our individual Twitters. I'm Jade Oxford Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And that's it.
that's that's the episode. Until next time. You just heard my name, but I'll say it again. I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anybody box you in. <laughs> <laughs>